We're just ordinary people living ordinary lives Until we see someone on TV win a $25,000 prize Come on down I'll play any game for 10 seconds of fame Come on down I'll make a deal just let me spin the wheel Come on down To win a million bucks all you need is a little luck And thorough knowledge of multiple disparate trivial subjects all right, welcome to another episode of Come On Down, voted America's favorite game show podcast by males 18 to 35 in this room, uh, hosted by me, John Baker. And me, Jonathan Motney. All right, today's episode, we're going to talk about a game Dude, show. Dude, I what? dare you to talk about this game. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Um, double dare is... I Wait, hold on. I double dare you to talk about this game. Okay, physical catch, physical challenge. We don't know this is a podcast. It's oh. not going to work very well. Dang it. Um, so the game we're talking about today is Double Dare. It was a, a Nickelodeon game show in the late '80s, early '90s for the most part. It ran from June 1986. Which do you know what special year and month that is? Oh. Um, Ronald Reagan was uh, just signing some laws. Oh, my birthday, dude. You were born then. Congratulations. Double dare and I share the same birthday. You're a double dare, baby. Uh, Really famously, actually, a lot lot of parents uh, conceived Mm -hmm. during the double dare time period. There was a big double dare related baby boom. Yeah. Because they saw kids playing, and they're like, oh my god, that looks awesome. I would love to have a kid. Exactly. Uh, so Double Dare started in 1986 on Nickelodeon. It was the first Nickelodeon game show. Um, it was one of the very first game shows targeted specifically at kids mm-hmm. as participants. And the only two things that were targeting kids at that time were cigarette ads and Double Dare. Uh, yeah, you know, so this really solved the nation's <laughs> cigarette problem, <laughs> child cigarette problem. Mm-hmm. That's why in like, uh, you know, Vietnam, they didn't have double dare. So that's why you still see kids driving around on motorcycles smoking cigarettes. That's to this right. Day. You've seen this? Yeah. Um, the coolest kids I've ever seen. Well, obviously, they're very cool. The, double dare. Why America is lame as fuck now. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had to. I was in a bad position. I do adjust my chair. Um, anyway, so Double Dare started out in 1986 on Nickelodeon. It was the early days of the Nickelodeon channel, and this kind of helped kick off its popularity. Um, it it started. It was being filmed originally in Philadelphia, actually, which I found kind of weird. I guess kind of associating Nickelodeon with Universal Studios. Yeah. Um, and it was hosted by a guy named Mark Summers. M-A-R-C. M- he, it's Mark with a C, so, you know, he's a, a little suspicious right off the bat. <laughs> I don't trust a Mark with a C. But, uh, but it tur- turns out he's a pretty good guy. He actually, um, he, he auditioned for this show when he was a television warm-up comic mm-hmm. at the time. Like, if you've seen Pete Holmes' TV show, Crashing, yeah. on HBO, on... Semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. on that show. At least he was a warm-up comic for the Rachel Ray show. I think. If you Which, haven't seen it, check it out. It's a funny. It's a pretty show. coveted position because it's essentially nine to five. You know, it's a pretty steady gig, and it paid pretty well. Right, and you're doing crowd work for yeah. You're probably making some 
artistic sacrifices for the you're definitely stuff. making some artistic sacrifices <laughs> stuff that you're to be a warm-up comic and to be the host of double dare yeah. if your goal in life is comedian but not to besmirch mark with a c summer's name he he actually was a was a pretty solid host he was so something that i learned he was 34 at the time mm-hmm. the show started but they when they did polls with test audiences they thought he was in his early 20s yeah so that was a big part of the reason why he got the job was because he he seemed young, and of course this is targeting children. Yeah. So they didn't want some old fogey hosting the show. They actually originally almost had a deal locked up with Dana Carvey. Yeah. To be the host of the show, but this was and this was before SNL, but he he got an audition for SNL during the casting process. Yeah. And then crushed it. I'm assuming. No, I heard he 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 did terrible. And is this an audition? Hold on, he's drinking a water. Um, yeah, no, I th- I'm sure he did great because he, yeah. he got on the show. But could you imagine if if Double Dare was conceived a year earlier, bef- before Dana Carvey had the SNL opportunity? Yeah. What is the, what would be the butterfly effect of? Because Mark Summers hosted the show through 1993, so seven mm-hmm. years of his life were dedicated to this, and that was basically the entire time that Dana Carvey was on. SNL as well. So So no wasn't that special. No church lady. No master of disguise critically acclaimed film. Oh yeah. Where he was that weird turtle guy character <laughs> guy. What was what was the other um, And Mark Summers would be on SNL. Mark Summers would be a <laughs> world famous comedian to this day yeah. if Dana Carvey, if the show is, wait, is that how the butterfly effect works? Somebody has to fill that spot. It's a it's a straight trade. It's a switcheroo. Yeah, it's Ashton Kutcher uh, swaps out with. So Ashton Kutcher lost an arm in that film. Did somebody gain a third arm? Did he, did he lose an arm? Yes. Oh, dude. there was a mailbox explosion, yeah. wasn't there? All right, welcome to our. Ashton Kutcher film review podcast. Come on down. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the crazy butterfly effect of Dana Carvey. But yeah, Mark Summers hosted the show. He he did a pretty solid job. I will say so so basically the the premise of the show is there are two teams of two children in the original original version competing against one another. And the episode starts with a physical challenge toss up basically so lights on camera starts boom we got two teams we're in action there's no there's been no explanation so far (laughs) there are just people hopping in and doing some crazy thing with whipped cream or slime or or gelatin something can say jello by the way well that's trademarked yeah um something that was a physical challenge that generally involved popping balloons or throwing Mm -hmm goo at your teammate the, and having the one them catch I saw, it somehow it was yeah a lot of catching stuff the yeah. one i saw was it was a tiny uh seesaw situation and one of the the girl had to stomp on the end of it shoot a marshmallow something. up into this air and this, the kid the boy her teammate had some sort of a um stick with a tiny wire catcher and he had to catch the marshmallow out of, out of thin air that seems hard the, he, the marshmallow doesn't have much three weight times to it. He nailed it? Nailed it. Wow. Congratulations to them. I bet you that kid's an environmental lawyer today. <laughs> but 
that was how the game started, and that gave you control of the board. Whoever was the first to catch three marshmallows on a stick or whatever the mm -hmm. challenge of the day was got $25 in control of the board, basically. $25? I mean, yeah. Which to us is nothing, but to a kid... Because we're loaded, <laughs> just to be clear. Dude, I have $25 in my checking account right now. Not a problem. Not a single penny more. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of money to a kid, but I guess they're splitting it up. They split up the, the prize purse at the end between the two of them. But yeah, so you get control of the board. What's half of 25? 12.5. Guys, this mental math is insane. Thank you. So yeah, that's basically how the show worked. You, you got control of the board and then there were trivia questions. Mm -hmm. And Mark Summers would ask the trivia question to the team. And if they didn't know the answer... They could dare the other team. And now the other team has to answer the question for twice the money. Yeah. And if they miss it, the original team who was asked the question gets, gets that amount of money. Yeah. Um, and then if they didn't know, they could double dare it back to the original team. Mm -hmm. Again, doubling the value of the money. So they could either now answer the question if they had an epiphany in the meantime. Dude, dude I'm so glad you said that. What is the point of giving them an option to answer the question or do what you're about to say, the physical challenge. So it's interesting that you bring that up because yes, it their option so is upset. to answer the question or do the physical challenge for that amount of money. And if they can complete the physical challenge in the allotted amount of time, 15 or 30 seconds it or whatever quick, it was, yeah. um, they were awarded the money and continue to control of the board. Otherwise, again, they missed it. The other team got the money yeah. and control of the board. It's interesting you say that because I did see a couple times where, I don't know, some nerds were confident that they knew the answer and the other team didn't. So oh. they dared them, got double dared back, and then answered the question. That is and got sneaky the money. but smart. Yeah. I'd, Risky, wow. but... So in that instance, it is strategy to dare, hopefully get the double dare back to you and then answer it. There's the strategy of the game right there. I mean, I guess. Yeah. But so so that's more or less how the entire game worked. There was a first round that ended after a certain time limit. A buzzer went off and they went to a commercial break. Mm -hmm. We came back with another physical competition for control of the board. And then we went through the second round with the exact same setup mm -hmm. as round one. At the end of the show, again, a buzzer went off signifying time was up and the team with the most money at that point in time was the winner yeah and that team then went on to the obstacle course which in the 2000 reboot was properly renamed the slopstacle course <laughs> because it was generally just a bunch of eight messy things that you had to do to find alternating between the two people yeah to find a flag and pass it to the next person mm -hmm. before they went on to the next thing. So it was like, like a relay race. Slide down this slide into gelatin where you can find a flag yeah. encased in gelatin, rip it out, hand it to your teammate, and tell them what they've won. Yeah. <laughs> and so for each obstacle that you completed in the obstacle course, each of you got whatever pr elevated prize there was. Which we need to talk about the prizes. There were some good ones. There were... See, my point is some of them were seemed like terrible children's prizes. In the episode that I watched, 
One of the prizes was a stereo, hair curlers, and blue jeans. So stuff that your aunt would get you for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And you and went, they, oh, like one of them thanks. was the two hundred and fifty dollar um gift card to Toys R Us. Yeah, I saw a thousand dollar KB Toys gift card for wow. one of them. I thought that was pretty baller. It but, seemed to alternate for me. It was like, uh, one of them was Atari. Sweet, awesome. I would love that. And blue jeans. And you're like, uh, yeah. So, what? but but I mean, if you got all eight, there was generally a vacation that you got if you were able to get all eight. Whether it was a trip to Disney World or Space Camp was another big one on mm-hmm. there, which is in Alabama, which which is in Philadelphia, which which is in Philadelphia. So that's the that's the great thing about it. But but space is cool. Space was even cooler then, I think, to kids. I don't yeah. I don't know if kids think space is cool anymore. I don't think I bet they do now that SpaceX is launching. Now that space is back, space is back space on the is agenda. Back, baby. Hell yeah. We're going to Huntsville. <laughs> what did what was your um did you see anybody win the H courses? Because I watched I only watched about four or five episodes, but I didn't see a single team win. Yeah, I did. I oh, did. Wow, so okay. so they've got sixty seconds to complete these eight things. It is a challenge. Usually they get up to about seven or eight in the time limit some of them i feel like some of these kids i don't see the urgency from them I, they were really pathetic performers to be honest with you i'm really lackadaisical a tenuous grasp of the rules in general they're not passing the flags when they need you they're not you got to dive into this gigantic pie you've got to stick your which they scream feet first because they had some pretty serious some legal issues right yeah. off the back that you, right off the you've got to stick your hand up the giant nose booger canal to yeah. get that flag you you got to commit and especially in these early episodes from 86 to 93 again it was in philadelphia it later moved to orlando during that run to universal studios that makes more sense and so i guess because they're not working with kids who want to be actors for the most part they had some really uncharismatic shitty kids on this show yeah no offense to these kids but they were terrible idiots yeah i i I felt bad for mark because trying to get anything out of them with a little bit of banter dead dead dead-eyed kids are like you know small talk already is so difficult Forced small talk on a show like this with a nine-year-old that's shy with a camera in their face yeah like he he was like I remember he was talking to one girl and he was like, so, uh, yeah, you're from, uh, you, you like to dance, you're a ballerina? And she's like, yeah. Like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Tell this camera. And she just looked at me. He's like, what, what do we talk about in the green room? What, what would you want to be when you grow up? Oh, she goes, no. ballerina. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I watched one where there, there was this girl and, and he said, oh, so I understand you, your nickname is Minnie. What's the story behind that? And she goes, well, my friends and I were coming up with nicknames, and I had a mini shirt on. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. And then he's introducing the other team, and there's this guy, and he goes, and I understand you've got a nickname, too. They call you Meatball, right? Why is that? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, did they not prepare for this at all? I, I assumed they had these facts because they'd be like, yeah, why don't you, you know, discuss about that time that yeah. you were eating raw meatballs and people were <laughs> making fun of you for it or whatever. But it was, there was a lot of awkward interactions yes. like that, which you saw less of in, so there was a, a recent 2018, 2019 mm-hmm. reboot of it that was all kids again that 
it was now we've got the YouTube generation, we've got the you know Disney Channel star generation. Mm-hmm. These kids were performing from yeah. start to finish. They were hamming it up to high heaven. It was it was completely different than the kids you saw in the 80s and early 90s version. Which looks cheesy, but to me, a kid overacting is better than the awkwardness of a kid that has just no boring, charisma. Just, exactly. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And I mean, they clearly could tell what was working and what wasn't working over time. So as the show progressed, they started a, a syndicated version called Super Sloppy Double Dare. <laughs> and it was just more messy, more whipped cream, more gunk, more slime. Slime was a big thing on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, and it, porn. it was kind of in their look. At the, it kind, of, it kind of at the same time. This is a family show. <laughs> it was green on Nickelodeon. And, and also in porn. <laughs> um and and so slime was a big thing on Nickelodeon. It actually started in another show in the early '80s called "You Can't Do That on Television," which was kind of a kids variety show, almost like um, all that, but yeah, earlier okay. and not not quite to that was extent. It, was it like kids SNL or more? A little bit like kids SNL. It was okay. kind of trying to be kind of trying to ride that wave of the late '70s, yeah. early '80s. And in that show, whenever any of the actors said, "I don't know." They got slimed. So that was where slime originated from. It became huge. People loved it. So they were sliming people in every episode of that show. And it carried over into all these game shows. It carried over into Double Dare, obviously, and everything else. Did you know that I have been slimed? In the the Double Dare kind of way, just to to be clear, going back to what we were talking about a couple minutes ago. Okay, tell us the story of that. Uh, So basically my family was in... Universal Studios, mm-hmm. Nickelodeon Studios, Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida, which is yeah, how they would eventually sign off. Travel. Of the, cool. What was that? Your family had money to travel. We've got 25 bucks. <laughs> so we were doing, they had some sort of, I guess, kind of backlot tour of Nickelodeon Studios, mm-hmm. more or less. And you would kind of walk through and you, oh, there's the set of all that or whatever, where they Was Amanda Bynes doing cocaine it. on the set of all that? Oh yeah, of course. Oh, she cool. no, she was doing porn on the set of all that. <laughs> this is a family show, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So we you you did this backlot tour and then they took you to an area where they kind of had these obstacles and things set up and they would choose from the crowd of people, mm-hmm. you know, volunteer kids to do these certain things and and I was really excited about the opportunity <laughs> to be slimed. I bet while you're doing this your parents are like God damn it, we're going to have to fucking clean his ass off after this. They gave me a t-shirt afterwards. They <laughs> gave me a t-shirt to uh, change into. Yeah. And it said I got slimed on it. It was a very uh, a prized possession of mine when I was four foot three and I had an extra large t-shirt that said I got slimed. <laughs> but so I got slimed. Mm-hmm. It was one of the highlights of my youth. What happened? Did they ask you a question? You got it wrong, or they were just like, "Stand here." It was slime basically just like, next. "Stand here, and we're gonna slime you." And the <laughs> okay. big bucket of slime got dumped on me, yeah. more or less. I, so I knew exactly what I was in for. It was, it was very applesaucey. I remember. So like, the, kind of chunky. It was a little bit chunky. It was, it was thinner than applesauce, but it tasted a whole hell of a lot like. You applesauce. let it go into your mouth. I wanted the full experience. God, you never know when you're gonna get you're, slimed you're in nasty, real life, dude. 
I also, you know, I had to prepare myself because again, there could be several situations in life where Mm -hmm. slime might come into play. And you need to taste it. And I needed to taste it to make sure that it wasn't something that was going to be a problem. Right. Tasted pretty applesaucy. Wasn't bad. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. So that was, uh, I, I got slimed. It is a big accomplishment in my life. But I was not on Double Dare, which mm-hmm. is a big failure yeah. of my life. Because well, was, I would say more of a failure than the win of getting a slime. You know what? I don't think we need to compare the two. <laughs> I think... That I'm very proud of my slime situation. <laughs> slime situation. And I do find myself crying myself to sleep at night oh from time to time about the lack God. of double dare participation. But anyway. Oh, dude, that sucks. You're there was the super sloppy double dare. And then on Fox, they started airing a weekly family double dare in okay. like 1988. I watched, that was the first episode I watched was a family double dare. Yeah. So, so family double dare, I think they realized... They could avoid some of the problems of the completely boring ass kids yeah. by having adults there to interact with. And, and you know, it probably gives a little bit of safety net to the kids to make them a little bit more comfortable yeah. with their parents being there instead of just them being on the stage under the bright lights on their own. It had to be a liability issue, too. It's probably a lot easier to just have the, the parents sign one piece of paper. Probably to some extent. Yeah. But the other thing is, I felt like... Watching the family double dare, which all of Double Dare ended up eventually transitioning into family double dare. Yeah, on, it was much easier to find a family double dare episode. Yeah, and so my problem with it is the, when it became family double dare, the questions didn't change. So, so they were like kid oriented. Yeah, it was still kind of fourth grade knowledge questions. Yeah, and they would they would ask the question and they would do a little <laughs> yeah huddle thing, and a kid would give the answer that their parents told them because the parents knew the answer to every question. There was a lot less daring and double daring. I felt like when they, when there was a dare or a double dare, it was because the question before would be like H2O is the chemical formula for what? And they'd be like water. And then the next question would be like in 1956, who was the prime minister of Yugoslavia? (laughs) And I was like, okay, they just won a physical challenge at this point because nobody's going to know this question. I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote down some of the questions and because of what exactly what you just said. So, so mine was actually from an actual kid double dare. So this wasn't family, but okay, still. Okay, this was just the two, two the on two, kid on kid. Yeah. So Team Giggles. Oh, yeah, and you had a team name. That was the other big thing. I'm, I'm very sorry I forgot to mention this earlier. Leave. You know, just leave. All right. All right. It's been fun. Team Giggles, their question was, how many species of ants are there? Impossible. Well, no, it was like 36 or something like that. Or right. 23, In- I think. Impossible. They answered 36 and they were wrong. Why would they bother answering? The Knights, qu- I don't know. The girl on that team was very confident. And so she said it confidently. And I was like, damn, she I've, knew I've that. And I was like, them. that's wrong. The Knights question, the very next question, what date is Halloween? What day does Halloween? Did they not even complete the sentence? What date is Halloween? Okay. <laughs> and then they crushed it, obviously. Obviously, and, 26. Yes. Well, it's their 31st, dude. Oh, yes. You would have lost children's double dare. What? The very next question. What did Dumbo have to hold in his trunk to fly? Feather. Correct. Thank you. 
So, and they had three or four others that rattled off that were super easy. And this team, you could see this team across the way just like, come on. What the can, heck? can we have any of these questions? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was the, the questions were kind of a crapshoot in that way. Like I said, it all got transitioned back into Family Double Dare. But th- again, this was a huge hit for Nickelodeon. This kind of helped kick off Nickelodeon as, yeah. a, as a force. In 1988, half of Nickelodeon's profit came from Double Dare. Yes. Half of the entire television network's profit came from this one show. One show. And I mean, the ease of it was, it was like every single day or every single weekday mm-hmm. in the afternoon when kids are just getting home from school and they just tuned in Nickelodeon and watched Double Dare. And it worked real well. They To the point where they were trying to do an adult version, they got um, the, the person at the time known as Bruce Jenner to host. Who's that? Caitlyn Jenner's brother? Kate. Caitlyn Jenner, the former Caitlyn Jenner, to host the adult Double Dare. And they had a, they did a pilot of it. They had a celebrity version with Scott Bayo. Okay. In the, in the pilot. And I guess it was not well received. I guess, I don't know if they didn't make the questions hard enough or it just <laughs> it was not, the same children. Or if it's not entertaining questions. to watch Scott Bayo pick a giant nose to find a flag. <laughs> But it it never ended up airing. It's but, more of a fisting of a nose than picking if you got an, a big old adult arm. Yeah, like I that. mean it was it was a, a big schnoz that you had to. It was uh, a pretty big schnoz. Rip through there. But yeah, so so the the show finally ended up going off the air in 1993 after seven million episodes or something along those <laughs> lines. Mark Summers went on to do other great things. What do you what? what? He had an um. What would you do? Was that wasn't that the oh, other? Okay. Nickelodeon game show that yeah. he hosted. He eventually, I think he hosted a History Channel game show called History IQ. Somewhat recently, like within the last decade or so. I think he, he still does things like that. He's still involved in Double Dare. They, they'll they do one-offs or yeah. live tours or things like that. They did do a lot of touring. That's right. They had like a live tour. Yeah. And he actually, so I want to read a, a sentence to you from his Wikipedia page. Okay. He also had a rare dramatic performance in the Nickelodeon-produced Halloween program, Mystery Magical Special, which also highlighted his skills as a stage magician. So he was, he was also a magician. Yeah, he had, or at least he had the skills of one. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Magic. Mean? <laughs> he knew magic. He knew magic. Yes, I don't know if he still does, but at one point in time, for the Mystery Magical Special on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. In a rare dramatic turn for Mark Summers. <laughs> he was a dramatic stage magician, it right. turns out. Which almost all of them are. If anybody can track down the mystery magical special, let us know and we will do a review of it. Wow. Maybe. But anyway, so, and then in the year 2000, Double Dare came back mm-hmm. with a vengeance. Oh, really? And it was called Double Dare 2000. Which is fitting, I guess. Double Dare 2000, Splooge Master Supreme. Nope. It was called Double Dare 2000. And this time, Mark Summers, I guess, you know, at this point, he was in his late 40s. So he was done with his magic So his his magic genes had worn off. Okay. And he was probably perceived as too old to be the host of it still. Because, again, they liked him because they could pretend he was 22 when he was 34. Yeah. 
So they got a new host for this one, and his name was Jason Harris. And he looked Pretty like boring name. a Walmart version of Corey Matthews from Boy Meets World. I'm going to look this up. It, and he, he dressed down, which I thought was, was interesting. That was different from the first one. Mark Summers always wore a suit jacket yeah, and a sport coat. tie. And this Jason Harris dressed like a guy from 2000 that was trying to be cool. He would wear a t-shirt with a short sleeve unbuttoned button down over the top of it. He was a man of, look. of people. Probably had some puka shells on. <laughs> but that was that was the the big change in Double Dare 2000. It was again the family Double Dare okay. format. And this is where they rightly changed the name of the obstacle course to the Slopstacle course mm-hmm. because it was sloppy. And that way you didn't have to call it Super Sloppy Double Dare, which just sounds weird. Yeah. You get but you still get the slop somewhere in the branding mm. with the Slopsicle course. This mm. also introduced the Triple Dare challenge. Okay. What's that? So if you got double dared and took the physical challenge, mm, yeah. you could add a modifier that made your physical challenge harder, but So like charisma plus three? Yes. It was a dungeon it was Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> related modifiers. <laughs> Um, it was, so it would basically be you have five seconds less or you have to do this additional task as well in the time limit or things along those lines. Mm-hmm. And you could accept the Triple Dare Challenge and you got more money if you completed it. But if you missed it, the other team did. Dang. So it was quite risky. It was kind of something that might be a desperation move if you are trailing quite a bit at the end. Yeah. Which again is also a reason why you might strategically dare somebody hoping to get Double Dared back because you're behind and you need to make up ground even if it is you want to take the physical challenge yeah. to have the opportunity the problem is again this is all time-based so if you take a physical challenge it's eating up a lot of the game's time speaking of one of my main criticisms of this show How in all you. versions is that the obstacle course slash slopsicle course portion each section of it is broken down and described every single episode yes and then they tell you what prize you get for completing that portion right so Almost half of the running time of the show was them describing what yeah. these obstacles are and what prizes you could win from their paid promoters, mm-hmm. more or less, which was a lot of paid promoters was the other thing. This is, again, yeah. eight a options. giant 22-minute advertisement with eight minutes of actual advertisements also running <laughs> amidst it yeah. because all of the prizes were... LA Lights, the light-up shoe that you oh can count on to light things up and not get murdered when you're out at night. There's no way that's LA the actual Lights. tagline. There's no way. That they changed it after some focus group studies, but oh, originally that was the LA Lights tagline. LA Lights, the ultimate shoe to help you light up at night and not get murdered. See? Thank you. That was the actual tagline? That was the tagline. Oh my gosh. So... So Double Dare 2000, like I said, it was pretty much exactly the same. Going back and watching these, I feel like I remember Double Dare 2000 being kind of a part of my youth, something that I would come home from school and turn on and watch this a lot, like for, mm-hmm. a, for an extended period of my life. Yeah. It literally only ran in the year 2000 and then was canceled and didn't run anymore. But I feel like I remember like, oh, I remember all those all those days when... I would always come home after school and watch Double Dare 2000 
But I mean, it was literally only in the year 2000. Yeah. It was for that one year. So I remember it for that one year. And I've extrapolated that over several years of my life, I guess. Also, again, my criticism, to go back to some criticisms of this show, mm-hmm. the original version of it, from the perspective of an adult man in the year 2020, yeah. was pretty awful. Like we said, there were a lot of uncharismatic children. They didn't really bring a lot to the table here. Yeah. The set looked just so cheap and crappy. Dude, they would have people... It When I was watching this, and I, I was a little biased because I did read about how scrappy this was, they only had $10,000 budget per episode. That's not surprising to me. And because, again, they would show... They would pan the crowd, and it was just like six chairs of kids next to <laughs> like, and But they'd be super zoomed in, so they're not showing that there's nothing behind yeah. them. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, you could tell that it was pretty shoestring budgeted, but again, it was making them a ton of money. So I guess that it kind of grew over time. Like I said, it moved from Philadelphia to Orlando. Double Dare 2000 was in Orlando. And then it disappeared for a while, Mm -hmm. 18 years, I would guess. But they still did some touring shows and things like that. They would do them in, in malls and things Double Dare would pop up uh, in your mall. mall shows. Exactly. And then in 2018, they brought it back to TV with Liza Koshy. Who's that? As the host now. Who's that? You're unfamiliar with Liza Koshy? Nope. So she was a Vine person. She got famous from doing Vine. Mm-hmm. And then later YouTube because Vine got shut down. So she... Like I said, this is the YouTube generation of kids. This is a person that they can relate to that I'm sure they watched whatever videos she did on YouTube. And this version was a lot more, again, geared towards this current generation, which makes sense. There was a lot of people doing Fortnite dances between um, challenges and things like that. I felt like she tried to relate to the kids a lot more than in either either of the other two previous versions where Mark Summers and our boy Jason Harris were, again, kind of typical game show hosts. They would have the little banter, why is your nickname Meatball? Yeah. Um, But they would just kind of lay out the rules and ask the questions, whereas Liza Koshy is joining in on their dances and getting goofy with them and having a little bit more fun with it yeah and also mark summers was involved in this version as the announcer okay so i think he kind of was the the rules guy of the show yeah and she was the fun person who also asked the questions yeah so this liza check dated david dobrik who's that oh my god you're so fucking old dude i'm sorry david dobrik is, is it probably YouTube one guy? of the most popular uh, YouTube people. He also started on Vine, and then he has a huge following of people. Everybody started on Vine. So yeah. I I call all these people YouTube people, just completely n- not it's acknowledging YouTubers. the fact just say that YouTubers. we are because that's how you say I'm it. Sorry, not YouTubers. 40. Why don't we call them tubers? I think that would be cooler. <laughs> tubers. Hey, tubes, dude. What up? Here's my tubes. <laughs> Pass the dubs, tubes. <laughs> God, that, that, I probably sound really old and out of touch. But also, we're posting all these episodes on YouTube as I... What's YouTube? Oh, As dude. I completely degrade the, the content. Well, I'm not... not I wish we could post them, these on but, MySpace. To be totally honest with you... We might. 
It's in for a comeback. It's going to get rebooted just like everything else. <laughs> By the way, so how do you, this is a, this was rebooted in 2000. It was rebooted in 2018. It ran for two seasons from 2018 to 19. Mm-hmm. In general, how do you feel about reboots? Well, I mean, I it think could be game shows, it could be TV shows, movies. Here's the thing. I'm, we are at the age now where we're starting to see, we've been seeing quite a few reboots of stuff that we watched as kids. Um, you know, uh, what's the new Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures coming out mm-hmm. soon. I have yet to see a really good reboot. Here's, here's one that comes to mind, just thinking of it. A reboot that came out that I thought came pretty close to living up to the original, I think the Jurassic Park movies. The, are the all, Chris Pratt Jurassic Parks? Yeah. I think they're pretty good. I don't think that they're groundbreaking like the first ones were, but I think they're enjoyable. I think right. it's a pretty good story. Um, I, j- I have yet to see a reboot that comes out that's like, oh, that's awesome. But I don't know if that is an objective opinion because I've gotten the nostalgia flooding right. in from all these. Pre- like, we've Have we talked about Page Master? We haven't talked about Page Master yet. I don't think we've talked about Page Master. Page yet. Master was a movie with Macaulay Culkin, and he got sucked into a book in a library and, and has it an adventure. Animated. Yes, and I thought it was awesome. I thought it was phenomenal great. Phenomenal movie. The only thing I remembered of this movie was there was a broken um, construction sign, like the the tents that they put up, right. and he had to jump over something, and he used that as a ramp. I don't know why, but that stuck with me. Probably because I was also really active and cool around that age. So. So okay, so it's obviously not that reason, so, but there might have been another reason. So it was definitely that reason, and I rewatched it in college because I think I came across a DVD. It was like in the crap bin at Walmart, right? And it was just as great as you remembered. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, so I mean, what about you? I would say no, no reboots. In my your, opinion, your reboots are oh great. Now this this is going to be ruined because it's a crappier version, right? So. I can I can understand that point. I've heard that a lot. I feel like people are sick of the reboots, especially Disney doing the live action reboots yeah. of their animated shows. I mean, obviously, with something like a game show, I don't think anybody is necessarily anti reboot because it's it's just kind of a, a fun time passing yeah. sort of thing where you're doing trivia challenges or kind of testing your mind in various different ways. Yeah. So I don't I don't know that I've heard backlash against the game show reboot. Sure. Like you have against some of these other things. I think some of the backlash against the reboot is overblown. And granted, I also I've gotten nostalgia goggles. I yeah. think back to, oh, that was so great. Things were so great then. I wish I could go back there all the time. But we also, I don't think we are considering the fact that we've always rebooted everything. Yeah. It's specifically entertainment wise, like before, you know, the last hundred years. Sure. All music was just folk music that got passed down over time or church music that got passed down over time. Yeah. All performance art was plays that. You know, people made performed over Greek. over and over, exactly, yeah. whether they were passed down word of mouth or written down Shakespeare, things like that. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think there are a lot of people that are like, oh, 
fucking Kenneth Branagh doing a Shakespeare thing again. Come up with something original, you <laughs> hack. You know, I think... So it's it's funny to me that now we're at the point where I do feel like we have probably the most original content in the history of the world, whether that is YouTube, podcasts, movies, yeah. television shows. There is... So you're saying the the uh, the large number of platforms and avenues has led to more original content. Yeah, it's and just the lower barrier of barrier of entry in general. Yeah. You know, before the last 20 30 years, there was no such thing as making an independent movie because you couldn't possibly afford yeah. to do all that. And so so now there are so many people that have the capability to tell the stories that they want to tell. And sure, there are stories that people are familiar with that are comforting to them that they want to see again and again, the same way you listen to the same album again and again, or you go see a concert of the guy whose songs you already know all the words <laughs> to. In fact, to the point where when they play a new song that you don't know, you're like, what the fuck is this? Play <laughs> yeah. Freebird, you know? Yeah. So it's funny to me that we kind of have that perception, but then we're like, oh, what is Disney doing remaking the Little Mermaid live action? <laughs> First of all, the Little Mermaid... Animated Super version. Super hot. Is that what? You're no, that's not what where I was going. Okay. But anyway, reboot the Little Mermaid animated version. It was just an adaptation of a Hans Christian Andersen story from I don't know when he. I wanted to say hundreds of years earlier, but that might not be true. But the point is, it wasn't an original piece of work at the time, and now people are like, "How dare you screw with this thing?" Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that was already something that screwed with something else. Yeah, there's so much of that out there. I mean, just recently, HBO did the Perry Mason reboot, which was phenomenal. I don't know if you've Mm-mm. watched it. So good. I'm I'm not super familiar with the original Perry Mason because it was in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, but again, it was based on books that were written in the 30s. So that at the time was an adaptation of something. And I know a lot of the, in terms of the movie world at least, a lot of the big budget stuff goes to things with a proven track record. A lot of the big budget stuff is, well, we can reboot Aladdin because people are going to come watch Aladdin because we know people like Aladdin, which again was a story originally adapted from a thousands of years old thing. Well, it's just like you have to understand too when we're talking about especially big budget stuff like Aladdin or... You know, this money is coming. It's you're essentially gambling, sort of. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, it's a calculated risk. But right. when you're sinking millions of dollars into something, like we're doing with this podcast, by the way, do you want a f- almost guaranteed built-in audience that you know you're going to recruit, uh, recoup your money, or do you want to roll the dice on a completely new? story that you've no idea if it's going to be well received or not right i mean business wise of course it makes sense and i i even think the detractors realize that business wise it makes sense and business is the reason that they're doing this and yeah i think people will complain that oh they're only doing it for the dollar they're not doing Mm -hmm. it for the art but there is so much good art out there quit being whiny (laughs) babies and go watch something on ifc go see whatever new film A24 is putting out. Yeah. Because if that's what's going to appeal to you, it is out there for you. Yeah. And not everything needs to be for you 100% of the time. How There's dare so you. much content How dare that is you. for everybody. And I am going to go home tonight and I'm going to watch the 
CGI reboot of Lady and the Tramp <laughs> on Disney Plus. Wow. This episode brought to you by Disney. Disney Reboots Plus. are great. They're amazing. Watch them all. <laughs> Watch them all. Get us your money. Yeah, so that that's kind of my my perspective on on the whole reboot craze or reboot controversy that we've Hot seen. Hot take, dude. Thank you. I am. But I think obviously, like we've said, there's so, basically every good game show has gotten rebooted mm-hmm. multiple times because it's a formula that works. People will tune in. People are comfortable with it. People are familiar with it. And if you think about it, it is kind of new content each time. Right. It's completely you know, the, the setting they're, they're new questions. is the same, but you've got new contestants. Right. The questions are always different. So it's like a little dose of new each right. time. They'll mix up the physical challenges. Obviously, they'll repeat from time to time, but they've got yeah. a huge bank of them. The Slopsicle course, mm. they had, you know, a, I don't know, because there were eight things per, they probably had 30 different ideas and they would kind of mix and match them yeah. and put them together and put them in different orders in the, in the obstacle course, Slopsicle course. One of them was portion. monumental. It was monkey bars. Do you remember that? I Do I remember monkey bars? One of the obstacles... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Do you remember I do, monkey I do bars? Remember monkey bars. That, well, it's just like all these were like slide down the the chocolate syrup slide and, and go into the, the the cavern of balloons and find and monk and then monkey bars. They they run out of ideas at a certain point and they need yeah. to fill all eight spots. So and and a lot of the things are quite similar. It will be Dig through this thing a goo to find the flag yeah. that's shaped like a pie. Uh-huh. Dig through this thing a goo that's shaped like a pizza to right. find the flag. Totally different. You know, jump in this pile of goo to find the flag. <laughs> oh, dude, I love the pile of goo pile obstacle. Of goo. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was somewhat repetitive stuff. And and again, the other issue is they've got sixty seconds to potentially do eight of these things. Yeah. So it has to be something that you can do in pretty much five seconds. And pile of goo is one of them. I, I always felt like the most unfair one was, and they use this a lot, was the hamster wheel one. Or where they do the little <clears throat> lever and squish them through. Oh, no. no. So so there's a, one of the people has to get in a human-sized hamster wheel and run and spin it. Yeah. And then once they've spun it a certain amount of times, there's a flag on a pole that lowers. Okay. And then the next person grabs the flag and moves onto their obstacle. But it took like... A good five seconds of going on it before the lever started falling. And then you've got some four foot nothing kid trying to get this <laughs> thing as it's slowly coming down and he's jumping trying to grab it. Yeah. That obstacle always took like 10 to 12 seconds of your 60 second a lot of time. Huge. This is the catch. This is how they get you. This is how they keep people out of space camp. Mm-hmm. This is why no kids were going to space camp in the 90s. And this is why we canceled the space program. Yeah. So Elon Musk was a contestant on this. Double Dare and made it to the end. That's his origin story. Yes. That's his origin story. No, the origin story is that because of the hamster wheel, he didn't get to go to space camp. So SpaceX is his (laughs) revenge. (laughs) I'm going to do it myself. That's why he's actually the villain of our story of life. So final thoughts, Double Dare, all throughout the years, anything, anything that we missed, any opinions on how the show works, how it could work better, what you think? Um, how could it work better? I would say they needed to figure out a way to, for cleanup. That, yeah, it was very, it was very messy show with the physical challenges and in between 
It was. I saw multiple uh, instances of kids slipping, and I was like, "Oh, I can't imagine a producer in the back just like, oh, don't fall, don't fall." Well, they they had arm or elbow pads and knee pads on these kids for for all these things because they knew. Yeah, Um, I would say that, and then I think you made a good point. Uh, My second point would be bring on some child actors just to have a little more of a because it seemed like with the deadness of the. vibe between mark and these kids you're just waiting for physical challenges because right it's oh there's finally some excitement happening something interesting is going on yeah so those those are my two things to make it better um i enjoyed those the episodes that i watched but i wouldn't like take free time out to be like oh i'm gonna watch a double dare right now no uh but yeah i i mean my thoughts are are pretty much the same like i said some of the earlier episodes were pretty painful to watch i feel like they did unlock something with making it family double dare making it a family show Mm -hmm. because Again, I guess it's you know encouraging from a from a viewership perspective. You watch with your family, you know, yeah. watch with your kids, and you, so you can one day aspire to be the family mm. on Double Dare. Like I, I never, get, I want to get got. sloppy with my family, dude, and <laughs> super sloppy. Sorry, super sloppy. And you know, so but but again, the questions didn't really scale with that, and so there there was some disconnect for me knowing that. Well, the parents are the ones answering all these questions, and then the <laughs> yeah. kid is just yelling out the answer mm-hmm. at the end. So there was a little bit of a disconnect there, but it was still a fun show, good for children. Like you noted, I think the current, more modern reboot from a couple of years ago, getting the charismatic kids that are going to ham it up, while I might hate those kids and they annoy me and I never want to be around them, yeah. uh-huh. I do think it makes the show more entertaining, especially... To kids who are watching other kids like themselves on Nickelodeon shows, on Disney Channel shows, on YouTube, and things like that, yeah. on, on the TikTok. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is Double Dare, Family Double Dare, Super, super Sloppy Double Dare, Double mm. Dare 2000, and Double Dare, because that's just what it was called in yeah, 2018. It was just called Double Dare again. Yeah, Double D. Mark Summers, if you're listening, we love you and respect mm-hmm. you and we think you should have everything that dana carvey does today in a in another universe mm-hmm. you do and you should feel happy for that guy yeah all right that was double dare on come on down and we will see you guys next week keep it sloppy that's our new uh sign off <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>